Come on in, guys, because it's time for another episode of Outwatch, a Survivor rewatch podcast. My name is Alex, your host and guide through our rewatch journey as we rewatch, recap and react to old seasons of Survivor, your favorites and mine. And today we are in the middle of our Survivor China rewatch, and we're on episode five of that season titled Love is nope sorry we're on episode four <laughs> got ahead of myself there guys can't uh put the cart before the horse here or the workhorse if you will because this episode <laughs> is titled ride the workhorse till the tail falls off before we get in <laughs> i thought it was a pretty seamless recovery <laughs> if i do say so Nailed myself <laughs> It's happening, right? (laughs) The podcast, it's happening. (laughs) Oh, man. Before we get into the details of this episode, we should start out by introducing you to the rest of the Outwatch fam. Um, And even before we do that, we're, you know, let me remind you that our purpose here on Outwatch is whether you are reminiscing on these old seasons yourself, whether you're re-watching them another time with us, or whether this is your first viewing of said season, that this can be the companion to your Survivor experience. That right here is our mission statement, and if we ever stray from it, folks, hold our feet to the fire, because that's what we're all about here on Outwatch. I don't watch tweets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, first off, Adam, welcome to outwatch so good to be here adam i just have one important question for you is turnabout fair play i i don't think turnabout's fair play (laughs) in the way that you defined it before we started recording (laughs) that's just what dictionary.com said i don't think dictionary.com i think turnabout's fair play when it's like nice like if you give me a a, a thing of cookies, I'm gonna return it with cookies. Cause turnabout's fair play. Everything I'm seeing is that it's all retaliatory. Now, if if you have rewatched this episode along with us, then you know that this is a weird thing that Dave asks Todd when he's kidnapped. But if you hadn't, there's your reminder that when Dave is kidnapped, <laughs> he just goes up to Todd and he says, Is turnabout fair play? Now, if somebody asked me this. I would say, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So um, anyway, Emily, welcome to Outwatch. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Emily, is turnabout fair play? Listen, I have no idea. I don't even have an answer for this question, but I will say, I think Todd, he kind of looks back with eyebrows raised and he said, yeah. And I think he literally was just like, 50-50 50-50 shot that I say what he wants me to. <laughs> and he did. Yes. He knows the answer pretty quickly. Like, yeah. like not in a, like, he knows what's happening, but right. just like, just you like, know, let's say yes happening. now and we'll figure it out later. <laughs> Here's a quote of Turnabout is Fair Play from Grammarist.com, taken from Billboard magazine. Turnabout is Fair Play, as Brittany did a grimy demo of Telephone, written for her by Lady Gaga, who eventually took it back and recorded it with Bay. Can you imagine if Telephone had been put out by Britney Spears? <laughs> Holy cow! It doesn't feel right, does it, Adam? <laughs> it like it kind of doesn't, but it also, like, I'd listen to that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't not listen to it. Yeah. 
like definitely Lady Gaga and Beyonce was the right move, but also like, yeah, what are we missing? <laughs> you know, if Turnabout wasn't fair play, then maybe we would know. <laughs> Scott, welcome to Outwatch. Hello, thanks for having me. Scott, is Turnabout fair play? Now that I know what I know. I think it is. <laughs> it sounds like maybe that Dave used it wrong because everything I'm seeing it, it is retaliatory. It's like eye for an eye, like you said, but Dave used it in the sense of like, if I do this nice thing for you, will you do a nice thing for me? But like, that means that the billboard.com used it incorrectly, right? Because they said turnabout's fair play to mean that Lady Gaga took a song back. Not that like Britney Spears did something to her. I guess that's and, true. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's just kind of. I don't know. It, it seems like there's no real definition. No, <laughs> I'm more confused now than when we started. Yeah, this, wasn't, this wasn't a clarifying conversation. <laughs> words with friends. <laughs> I wonder what Dave would think about this response. If he would, you know, accept the. Uh, the response. Much like this is a very Ken McNichol thing of Dave to do. To go to Todd and say, who's 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 Ken from Millennials vs. Gen X? Ken. He's like uh, testing his character. Yeah. Sweet older Ken. Sometimes it's well. this riddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, you're right. Apparently, uh, you must answer my riddles three. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, um, now that, you know, you've gotten to know our whole squad here and we've debated the merits of whether turnabout is indeed fair play. What do you say we take a trip down to tree mail and walk through what happened in this episode? Let's do it. Hop right on the workhorse <laughs> and ride it until that tail falls off. This episode starts out by Jean Robert coming out of his sandbagging. Um, he has met the point where now he will start to contribute to be noticed and appreciated. But over at the Jean Hu tribe, they discover that sadly their rice has gotten moldy. And in the great words of Eric, it's bad news. <laughs> it's bad news. Mm -hmm. Dave and Sharia's conflict comes to a head, but Frosty pay plays peacemaker and diffuses the situation. At the reward challenge, we've got multiple Chinese stereotypes rolled into one challenge for a fisherman's visit. And Faylong wins this one. Faylong then kidnaps Dave, who acts incredibly odd at their camp. And then eventually, after discussing whether turnabout is fair play, gives his clue to Todd. That makes it two clues that Todd knows about. Jean Hu feels more peaceful with Dave on a trip to the other camp, but they find that they struggle to get the chores around camp done without his egging on. Then the fisherman family arrives at Fei Long, and in perhaps the most unforeseen twist in Survivor history, Jean Robert speaks Mandarin. <laughs> While that's going on, Aaron and Denise learn to fish while the others learn some cooking skills. And then we've got our immunity challenge where we've got armor clad pot smashing. Uh, Link, the hero of time, would really love this one. <laughs> and Fei Long wins this immunity challenge once again. 
Back at camp, Sharia overhears the tribe's majority debating between her and Dave, and she makes her case. Ultimately, that proves to be successful as Dave is voted out unanimously here by a vote of five to one. And that means Adam, though he was the last pick in the draft, that's the first member of your tribe to be eliminated here. Why don't you talk to us about Dave's game? Uh, so, I mean, Dave was trying to, uh, he stepped into the leadership role, even though he absolutely didn't want to be the leader. Wink, wink. Um, he, uh, he worked his butt off around camp and figured, uh, that would make him invaluable. But the problem was anyone that he had a problem with, he just kind of blew up at and, uh, really lost it in the social game. So I don't know. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> And it turns out that he had a problem with just about everyone. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, was the thing. Like every every week that they had to go to tribal, he's always like, it's this one person. If we yeah. just get rid of that one person. <laughs> it's kind of that like that proverb, you know, not is turnabout fair play, but a different proverb. <laughs> that it's like if everything that you touch hurts, maybe it's your finger that's broken. Mm. You know, maybe Dave was the problem here and not. Ashley and whoever else. Sharia. Sharia. Chicken. Maybe chicken was the problem. (laughs) Maybe Maybe voting out chicken was the problem. That was the problem. (laughs) All right. So, Adam, you lose your first member here again. I'm always like fascinated by the way that these picks work out and that After the first three picks, we've got an even split across the board. And this seems to happen like every season where it stays pretty even as far as numbers go. So good job on y'all for picking balanced tribes. That's what we do. Let's start with our our headlines here um, from this episode. What were the parts that really stuck out to you and are most worthy of discussing here tonight? Scott, you got anything off the top of the dome here? Um, for me, it's kind of segues into like the challenge a little bit, but how terrifying James looked in the big armor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this is like James is just so huge and they put him in like this gigantic like Chinese armor and he's got like <laughs> the like the stick and the, the like whatever the what are they called? I think they called them meteor hammers. Meteor hammer, yeah. And I was All like, right. I was like, James could kill somebody right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was kind of the big thing that stuck out. And then yeah, I did like I got I don't know the challenge was okay the the uh, immunity challenge. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Good. Do you think they all just shared armor? Like, do you think that they put Courtney and James in the same size armor? I don't know. <laughs> it didn't seem like. It seems like they shared it. Yeah, I yeah. So that wouldn't have worked out very well for one or both of them. <laughs> yeah, I was worried about like the helmet. I'm like, what if somebody has like developed head lice? Yeah, that's always my thing with sharing like any kind of headwear, though. Also, that's you know, a- here we are in uh, late January of 2021. COVID still very much a thing. The idea of sharing anything, you know. It's just kind of scary at this point. 
<laughs> exactly. It is it is weird how those fears like translate into TV shows. It totally is. Definitely happened before yeah. COVID. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I've watched TV shows where like one of the characters is sick and it's from like 2015. I'm like, why are they there one and two? Why aren't they wearing a mask? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, crap, it's yeah, five years ago. Yeah. Laughed in the face of God back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it it was interesting. I I agree with Stat. I think it was interesting how much scarier James looked with the armor on. Because, like, I mean, James is like he's a big, intimidating guy because he's tall and he's like jacked. Yeah. But then he put that armor on. He covered up how jacked he was, and he was somehow scarier. (laughs) (laughs) He had this really like focused expression on his face. He was like really like feeling competitive. You could tell, and it just like added to the effect. Like I was terrified watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can tell that James is on Survivor for this. You know, for the challenges. Yeah, he really comes. You know, comes alive during those. Yeah, there was the the shot where he like scores and like celebratorily like slams the stick into the dirt or whatever. It's like, yeah, that was God. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can take this opportunity to talk um, about the other challenge too. here. This um, the one I alluded to in the tree mail um, where I, I'm, I'm interested in what you guys thought about this. Basically, they have two long sticks and then a flaming ball which they must use the sticks to transport to a container, which sets off fireworks. Now, I have thoughts and takes. Here's the (laughs) the one that I will say first. They didn't have to call the sticks chopsticks and the container a walk. (laughs) They didn't have to do that. (laughs) But they said, (laughs) these are chopsticks and that is a walk. It has nothing to do with food. They did not have to do that. <laughs> Michael, no, here's, here's, here's the thing about that challenge that really got me. I, I agree with you. Like they it was ridiculous. They just could have said also, big like, sticks and put it in a, and put it in a bowl. <laughs> but then like them putting that fire in the walk. That did nothing to set the fireworks off. That right. was done separately. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like you could see the fuse and the fire touched the fuse and mm-hmm. then that like launched the fireworks. The fireworks were launched from a completely different location. Yeah. It's like in an escape room, you know, when you don't actually trigger the door to open, you just like, there's the person watching you and you push the thing and then they push the button to open the door. Yeah. And then they open the door. So they, they, they tried to make this whole thing super connected and all this, but also like, it's not. We can see yeah. it. <laughs> Put the fire in the ball or in the, the bowl. And look, now there's fireworks. And now there's fireworks. <laughs> I will say, uh, uh, well, before I get to my other thoughts, anybody else with takes on this challenge? Did you enjoy this um, or not? Um, I we were joking that the fireworks, because every time someone would get their ball into the area they needed it to. They would show the fireworks going off, and we were joking that those were just the same shots every single time, <laughs> like the same <laughs> clip of a firework going. I off. I'm really convinced that the first clip of the red teams of Fei Long's firework going off is the B roll that they use when they're demonstrating how the challenge would work. I'm convinced that it's the exact same shot. I think that's feasible. 
I could see it. Jeff's out here like, all right, guys, we only have so much budget to spend on these fireworks. <laughs> We've got. <laughs> I wonder. I but like I wonder if there's like a component to it. Like this is the only place where we're allowed to like launch fireworks. We can only do it from this time frame. Because yeah, maybe. it's weird that they went to tribal. It is right? weird. Yeah. Do this. Yeah. So I feel like there there was probably some weird like regulatory component to what they were doing. Yeah, like with like the Chinese government somehow. Right. They're just like disturbing people. They're like, well, no, you yeah. can't. Yeah. You know? That would t- I, I, that would uh, make sense. <laughs> Especially if like where they're actually staying is more like a like protected area. You know, maybe this is closer yeah. to like actual, not necessarily civilization, right? But like probably their production base camp and stuff. It is pretty close to where where they are is mm-hmm. like really really close to uh crap what can I think of the name of the city not Hong Kong not Macau Shanghai um so it's like I think it's only like at most an hour outside of the city like interesting at absolute most it's an hour from that's there. so it's interesting very, it, it changes very to a very different landscape but like so it, yeah I'm sure that their like production setup and everything is actually in the city huh yeah that's really interesting i wonder how many instances of survivor are like that where you know you drive like 15 minutes away and it's like oh there's a town here or whatever yeah yeah ultimately this is a complicated challenge but like visually and creatively this is really cool i thought they went all out for it yeah they did fire bit of it because Everyone has to carry these fireballs and they have to start in like this. They have like a little tray of fire mm-hmm. and they have to put the ball in the fire. And then they're all hunching right over this tray of fire. I'm like, somebody is going to get burnt. <laughs> well, I think Frosty did get burnt. Uh-huh. Yeah, he started like shaking his hands. Out yeah, he was getting too close to the flames. Yeah, like the way that it looked, though, the it being at night and like the fire element, like lighting them up. Um right outside tribal council the fireworks going off really cool visually some of the best challenge stuff that i think we've seen but the actual mechanics of it you know kind of dopey <laughs> yeah it was frustrating to have to watch people just struggle so hard to even move the ball yeah like an inch i wonder and where the really, go ahead i was just gonna say and that's really all you're doing is you're just yeah. watching them struggle to move this fireball yeah. like it's not like it culminates into something really fantastic. It's fireworks. Just... Yeah, it does. It's a firework. <laughs> a single firework and then two fireworks and then three fireworks. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder where the line is between what they were doing, which was like kind of scooping it forward of a few inches every time and just like pushing it along the ground with the, the sticks. Mm hmm. Yeah, I feel like there was probably some rule that they told them that, like, you can't just push it along the he sand. He said that yeah. during the challenge. Okay. Um, he was like, you can't push the ball. But I I have the sense that they kind of got the feeling that, or they kind of figured out that if they pick it up and they drop it, if they can at least get some forward momentum when they drop it, yeah. it doesn't really matter how far they carry it as long as they're able to keep it moving forward right. that way. Well, and the way that the the sticks that they're using because they're they're shaped like chopsticks and that they get narrower makes it harder for the two people to actually bring them together yeah yeah so i i don't know like this this whole challenge design seemed really weird to me Mm -hmm. 
it, it seemed much harder than the producers thought it would be, I guess. I or, think so too. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like one of those ideas where someone was like, what if we did like a thing with like chopsticks and then they mm-hmm. built a challenge around it, which is probably bad. I'm sure they work backwards from fireworks originated in China. Oh, maybe. Yeah. And then they just went full Chinese tropes. Yeah. Fireworks, chopsticks, walks. Yeah. Walks. All the Chinese things. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Emily, what was a highlight um, or a headline of this episode for you? Mm. Man, I had something picked out and then we just started talking about these fireworks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you, Adam. You read my mind. The reward. That's right. Um, yes. Was actually pretty neat to see. I think. They've done rewards in the past where like, or just, you know, different bits where they've tried to incorporate like introducing the players to the actual people where they live. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they've always done that in a way that feels genuine, mm-hmm. respectful. I don't know if they, I wouldn't say, I don't know. I can't think of any like specific example, but this felt like very genuine because there was yeah. a family that came on a boat and they like, I don't know a lot about the family, but they definitely fish like routinely because they have their whole thing down, like of how they do it. And they just showed everyone how they did it. And they just brought all their supplies. And they're like, okay, we're just going to make a meal. And like, they got to work with the survivors and like, show them how they made the meal and then they all got to eat it together. I think eating together is a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was helpful that John Robert knew Mandarin. I was yeah. shocked, especially because he said he he learned it when he was very young. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it just came back to me. I was like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, I tried really hard to learn a language and it's been six years since I've spoken it fluently. And every time I try and go back to it, I'm like, I don't, I don't remember anything. And he was like, <laughs> It seemed like he had been speaking that his whole life. Yeah. So uh, props to him. But that was helpful, too, for them to be able to actually communicate and, like, work together. Mm -hmm. And so I think that added a lot to that challenge. Um, It was really cool. I love Denise's. (laughs) We Uh finally get to hear from Denise in this challenge. We haven't heard from her since the beginning. And she's just, like, so pure. She was just, like, their children are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm just so excited. This food is delicious. Like what a treat. Yeah. So it was cool to like see how much she enjoyed it too. So. Yeah, this, it. this was a cool sequence. I, yeah. Uh, and I, I had that brought up too. It's like, this is our first real Denise spotlight. Um, and yeah. what we think about her at this point. Um, yeah, this, I, I agree. This was like a pretty cool, um, reward and and yet like you said done in a way that felt good um yeah let's talk about denise a little bit um you mentioned your take on the scene we got from her does anybody else have any feelings about denise at this point who we haven't gotten a ton out of yet she has a stronger accent than i remember (laughs) (laughs) it is yeah adam denise is on your tribe yeah, I so I, I got Denise. I remember picking her because she was still up there. I remember her uh, talking about being in the temple and just how like yeah. excited and cool she thought I was and everything. And I feel like we're just kind of seeing that like the game hasn't beaten her down in any way. Like she's really just excited for this adventure um, in this really wholesome way. 
that I, I I don't know. I just like I really love watching her play, even though she's not really doing so much playing necessarily, like strategizing type of playing. Um, I I'm curious to see what happens as the game turns more strategic. Uh, I, I I'm worried that she just doesn't have her head. It kind of like Rupert, where it's just kind of too mm-hmm. wholesome for the game that he's playing. Yeah, interesting. Um, so I, I, I do have concerns for her in that regard. But like she seems like such a genuinely nice and interested person. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, I'm a huge fan of her. Yeah, she like definitely tells it like it is. Like you can tell like she's not pulling any punches. Like I loved her bit when she was talking about like being like a lunch lady and like uh-huh. the chicken nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, we just, we just put them in the oven and take them out. That's not really cooking. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're cooking this like, you know, authentic, you know, Chinese meal together. It was, it was cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was funny. <laughs> we don't have any Michelin stars here at the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the school cafeteria. I thought that, Okay, the wildest part of this to me was um, when they showed them their method, which was they like block. They have a gaggle of pelicans or (laughs) what look to be pelicans and they like partially block off their throat such that they can't swallow the fish. So they have these trained birds that will go and scoop up fish and then they can't swallow them. So they come back to the boat. And they just spit him out in the boat, which was wild to me <laughs> that this is a, a strat. But man, it's like, you know, teach a man to fish. He'll eat for a day or teach. <laughs> give a man of the fish. He'll eat for a day. Teach okay. a man to fish. He eats for the rest of his life. Right. Teach Or in uh, this case, like pair up with with Mother Nature's methods of, of getting fish. Exactly. Pair teach up with the animal kingdom. And it's like, like, this is just, it's one of those things that is like, especially as people who live in a country that's only 200 and some odd years old, like mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at a group of people who they're like, their ancestors date back in yeah. this place mm-hmm. centuries and centuries and centuries. And so there's this really interesting unification with the land that they've like adapted to and still use today because it's a really great method. Like yeah, those, those birds know what's up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it really was a cool, like, I mean, like Emily said, it was such an interesting, like, cultural moment that didn't feel like, look, we're, like, showing off the these people or whatever. It was just genuinely, yeah, like... Yeah, I just, I guess that's what I was trying to get at, is, like, usually they, it's, they just don't have a connection, like, the two groups, like, the the people from whatever country they're in, and then the survivors, like, they might do something together, but they aren't, like, connecting together, but this yeah. one, especially with genre, we're able to, like kind of um translate they were like working together mm-hmm. which really cool. yeah <laughs> i just like i imagine uh, who it was aaron and denise out there right learning to fish with them mm-hmm. i'm sure they taught them like more you know ex- uh approachable techniques but imagine like oh great we're gonna learn how to fish these guys are gonna teach us how to fish the way to fish is to okay train a series of birds (laughs) rope off their throats and have them fish for us Mm -hmm. all right (laughs) 
That's not like doable in the time that they exactly. <laughs> they did learn how to use the net though, and yeah. I think Denise was like, "We didn't even know how to use this." Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> no idea. I was like, "Oh wow!" So that's just been sitting dormant for you. Yeah. I hope they're able to use it now. Yeah, that was very good. <laughs> um, Adam, what about you? Headlines from this episode. I might have stolen yours. Yeah, I mean, I really love the reward. Um, I. Oof, I don't know. I think that we had a really interesting tribal council this episode, too. Yeah. I guess just to kind of hit the other part of the episode that we haven't really talked about. Um, we, Emily and I, went into the tribal council not knowing who was going to get voted off. Mm-hmm. This episode, this season is such a weird season that you're going to the tribal council and it's like, it could be like the person that we both thought they should get rid of is Dave. But also there's like a completely valid argument for Sharia not doing work around camp. And mm-hmm. so Sharia trying to make the argument for herself while Dave's also sitting there, you know, like look at everything I do around camp, making the argument for himself. Yeah. That it really I didn't know which way it was gonna go. I, yeah. <laughs> Are you do you like that sort of feeling when you go into tribal or even into the vote and you like don't know what's going to happen? Or does that feel like disorienting as a viewer? I like when it's between like two or even three people. What yeah. I don't like is like I have no idea what's about to happen. Like, Which was the entire millennial versus Gen X for me. Yeah. Every single time I was like, this could go literally any single way. Uh-huh. Like any one person on this tribe could go. Yeah. I have no idea. This one, I feel like I've said this too in a previous episode is there's always at least like two people that they're kind of choosing between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it, the narrative that was set up, and I think this was an interesting one, even though they kind of beat it over the head, um, <laughs> was that they have Sharia and Dave have these two like polar opposite um approaches to how to use energy on survivor right sharia doesn't use her energy at camp so that she can like ball out at challenges and has been you know um the last few episodes has been probably this most um impactful challenge performer on their tribe whereas dave is the complete inverse he uses all of his energy at camp to work, 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 work. And then he passes out in the challenge because he has no energy reserves. Right. And so it's, yeah, the like, um, dichotomy that's brought up is like, okay, which as a tribe, do you value more, you know, like a challenge performance or a person who's going to work at camp? Um, which is an interesting conversation, I think. And like one that we haven't really approached much in survivor that we've seen. Yeah, it it is. I guess like this episode has or this season has really kind of brought that into focus as a question because I, I want to say it was episode two or three when um, Dave really wanted to get the fire pit built. Yeah, and Jamie kept asking like, "Should we cook food?" Um, because the challenge is coming up, like we should have some food in our stomachs. And Dave's whole thing was get the camp exactly how we want it, and yeah. then we'll eat. So I, I, I do think it's come up more in this season than any other season we've really watched. Mm-hmm. 
And I think we're seeing young who kind of suffer because they're not carrying weight equally. Yeah. I, when when you're playing a person down or two people down, three people down, I don't, know, I don't know how many people down they are at this point. When you're playing people down, it means that everyone's competing in every single challenge. Whereas right. Fei Long, they can be like, yeah, we're going to sit some people out for the next challenge. Yeah. So like, you know, we can have some people do less work because they're going to be competing in the challenge and these people do more work because they're they're not going to compete in the challenge and they have that luxury. But when everyone has to compete, then you really need to be distributing the workload evenly. Mm-hmm. That the people who have the potential to be strong performers and challenges, Dave, isn't just gas. Right. And that's not on the tribe, Dave's circumstance. Like that's wholly brought on by himself yeah dave's an adult <laughs> he can choose to stop working yeah so i i, I don't i don't blame the tribe for that but yeah. it definitely is a calculus that we've, i mean i don't think we've ever really talked about it or mm-hmm. how that would really work out yeah. yeah it seems like something that like like early in every season like one tribe just kind of gets it all figured out way quicker and you don't hear about it as much and i don't know if that's like a because they like divvy up the work more so like it's equal so then like more gets done quickly or or what but yeah it's just when they were discussing that like i could just be too dense for this but i was like (laughs) the answer is like for me is like well clearly you got to do both like yeah like you certainly have to get stuff done around camp or else there's no reason to there's you're not surviving but also like if you don't win you're gonna get voted out and i don't know yeah and i think like pg makes that point in at tribal if i remember correctly right she's yeah says ultimately that we need balanced people so that we can do both yeah (laughs) um cool okay let's go through some of these other things that we haven't talked about yet first of all um as referenced previously they really struggle with the episode titles in this era (laughs) ride the workhorse till the tail falls off is really a mouthful for a title of an episode they're just really scraping the bottom of the barrel for a applicable quote i guess disappointing that's all (laughs) um let's talk about we haven't talked about dave much um he goes home this episode but one of the more interesting parts of um this from like a game perspective is when Fei Long kidnaps Dave and he spends some time at John who sorry at Fei Long um, and it's like awkward and weird but he then he does also make this attempt like we talked about in the opener to create a, a quote cross tribe alliance with Todd ultimately it doesn't pan out because he's voted out but I wanted to um, talk about this and see what you guys thought about um, this idea in just the whole way that Dave approached his time at Fei Long. Um, yeah. Anybody got a, a thought on this? He seemed like an entirely different person at that tribe. <laughs> yeah. I think they, because some of his tribe members were mentioning that he was a little kooky. Crazy so day. Yeah. I think they've seen this side of him. But at least we haven't mm-hmm. very much because we're just always seeing him working, 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 because that's like the main story that we're focusing on for his tribe. Mm-hmm. When he's at the other tribe, 
everyone was like, what the heck is this guy? <laughs> like he was just acting bananas yeah he was just being silly and being like loud and obnoxious and overly affectionate and way overly affectionate yeah for sure yeah like james gives him a lime and he like pretends to cry and hug him and james is like what did i tell you about hugging (laughs) (laughs) it's such a good moment shut it down (laughs) didn't he moon them at one point Oh, yeah. yeah, he was, like, walking around. He's like, you want a plumber's crack? Well, it's like, what? Yeah, I, I guarantee nobody wanted that. Not a single person wanted that. Nobody asked for that. Nope. I don't know. Maybe Jean Robert's kind of got the perpetual plumber's crack going on, yeah. so maybe he appreciated it. <laughs> Let's talk about his um, his conversation with Todd, which is the most, like, strategy we get this episode. Um, of course there's the, is turnabout fair play of it all, but his basic idea here is that he's going to give Todd this clue because he feels, I don't know, like Todd is trustworthy, which everyone seems to think for some reason in hopes that in return, he starts to build this alliance with Todd. And also if he is then brought over that he will give a clue to him. So there's this kind of quid pro quo thing that he's trying to do here. Obviously, again, it's cut short because he's voted out. But did you like this gameplay decision out of Dave? Adam, as your tribe member, what do you think about this? I, I don't think it's a I, I think it's a good move. I think the purpose of this. Um, the, the purpose of giving the clue to someone on the other tribe should be to try and build trust or a relationship of some kind with them. The problem is you don't have a good handle of who these people are. Yeah. Cause you're not there long enough. So I, I, I think that if you're, I, I don't know if Dave was basing it off the fact that he thought that um, Todd was more, conniving than he seemed to be or if he just like felt like he was really friendly or something i don't think that's a good metric either way yeah i don't think you want to try and like be friends with the person that's uh that seems really conniving or is like really friendly with everybody like they they might just be really friendly but also you can't trust that person because you don't know who they're actually aligned with sure so the, the person you should be looking for is the person who seemed kind of like towards the bottom of the tribe yeah, you run the mm. risk of them getting voted off potentially. But also, like, if they're kind of on the bottom of the tribe, it's not going to be as hard to get them to come to your side and emerge. So I feel like I liked his strategy. I don't feel like I liked the execution of it. Interesting. Yeah, and now on the flip side, Todd has access to the original clue, which Leslie gave him. And then also this additional one. Um, Still no movement on actually seeing the thing in question, but, you know, he's got a leg up on the others. Um, Let's see, what else is there from this episode? Oh, I made a note. This was funny to me. The uh, there's like funny James like social awkwardness this episode there's the scene that we talked about where he tells Dave not to hug him and then also I don't know if you caught this when the like 
family shows up, he's like, oh, they have children. <laughs> yeah. He's like clearly uncomfortable with children and is like nervous about it. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, we, we talked a little bit about the immunity challenge with the hammer meteor hammer things. Um, ultimately, did you like this one? I was worried someone's going to get like hit in the head. These have been such uh, physical challenges. I was just like, but they're wearing helmets. Like soft fabric helmets. (laughs) (laughs) And and they were supposed to like guard themselves with just sticks, basically. Mm -hmm. And the way what are those called? What do we call them? Sat meteorite hammers. Uh, Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Meteor hammers. Yeah. Meteor hammers. I was like, something's wrong there. Um, so it's like two balls and they're connected with a piece of rope. And when you fling them, if you catch them with the stick, like they'll still potentially whip like whip around and hit you in the face. I was like waiting for that to happen. <laughs> I've also had I when I was younger, we had like whatever that's called like ladder like, golf or whatever yeah, yeah yeah and i got hit in the head with one of those and i was just like oh my gosh it's gonna happen again worst nightmare so maybe that was just me personally but it was a little scary no I, everyone was fine i i i agreed with you in the moment i was like this is terrifying and yeah. i was thinking about it later those things are so hard to throw correctly. Yeah. If you don't, if you're not like practiced and like how this is actually getting, or if you're just not like, if you don't understand the mechanics of what you're like doing, that I'm sure the risk was actually really low because the assumption was just, oh, like no one's actually going to be very good at this. Yeah. Unless you're Sharia. Unless you're Sharia or James, who yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> So my two things with this challenge, um, number one, when they, the editing, when they would actually throw one and it was, yes. Yes. Hit, they did it uh, again. They did like a pause cut. Yes. Or like a whatever. And then the, it would be, you would know they were going to hit it. Um, which was, I don't know. I, I've kind of liked it. It's like, they're like spoofing themselves. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it's been fun. Yes. Yeah, I, I like it. And two, like, it's kind of just like a my thing with kind of the overall like season so far. I do wish kind of like that we didn't have like a just if we, if we had one super not com- like physical challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So we could see like another side of what these people can do or like allow somebody like Courtney or, you know, whoever to like shine. Yeah. Some, rather than like these brute force challenges. I was thinking yeah. about. Go ahead, Adam. No, I was going to say, this is just also another challenge where it moves kind of slowly. Yeah. Like, there's no real, like, tension being built throughout. It's just kind of, like, it's all happening. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of it. It's it, it right really, now. like, it, it wasn't, like, inherently a bad challenge, but I wouldn't say it was very interesting to actually watch. Yeah. I think that, I was thinking about this, I think that Survivor in this era has maybe the most um, variance in its challenge design in that. So like, as we saw in Amazon and Pearl Islands, right, they take a lot. There's a lot of kind of like 
goofy low budget like youth group game challenges <laughs> you know or like uh carnival game challenges right and so there's a lot of them that are kind of or or they haven't figured out yet what actually works for tv very well and so there's some that like oh maybe this is an interesting idea but it does not translate and then in current survivor and you, you see this to some degree in you know millennials versus gen x that we watched it's almost every challenge is like Okay, if it's an individual immunity, you stand on this thing for a long time and balance this thing, or you like do this obstacle and then solve a puzzle or, you know, throw a ball into a hoop. And there's not a lot of variance in this area. In this era, they like take some really interesting creative swings and some of them are really good. Some of them are really not. Um, But there's like this interesting difference in from challenge to challenge you know and i'm sure that it's still being like an on location sort of thing plays into that too and they've got a more rich source text to work off of but then sometimes you get chopsticks and walks so (laughs) the the other thing i was actually thinking about what i guess while while we were talking about this was um their location is probably pretty difficult to work around because in order to do like some of the things that we're talking about, they really do need like a pretty large area, large open area. And they're, I'm sure they're not allowed to like clear anything and they're effectively like on a lake. Yeah. With a pretty dense forest. Yeah. Back. So finding areas to actually do some of these challenges is probably pretty tricky on the whole and so doing these sort of like arena type challenges where you basically just set up like this is the area of play and then like you guys go at each other it's probably a lot easier to work with right now okay let's go ahead then and and move into our final segments here where we reward our goats to the player who did the best this episode and our participation trophy who the one to the one who just kind of showed up um Adam, would you care to do the honors and kick this off as the current clubhouse leader of Fantasy Outwatch? Yeah. Uh, and go so ahead and I give think, us both, if you would. Yeah, I think my goat, um, you know, I, I, I think that there are other people who probably deserve this more. I'm going to give it to Jean Robert, though. He spoke Mandarin. All right. <laughs> That was crazy. The 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 whole like quality of that reward hinged on Jean Robert and he like kind of crushed it. All right. Jean Robert in the goat column for the first time this this season so far. <laughs> Probably the last time. Um, I, <laughs> I also I'm going to give my participation trophy to Sharia. OK. And because of that? her lack of participation around camp. Okay. Does survive the episode, though. She did survive the episode. I would give it to Dave, but he's gone. So I'm going to <laughs> give it to somebody here. Fair enough. Um, who's in second place after last episode? That would be Emily. Who you got? It is me. Um... Man. I don't know. I think <laughs> I don't know. No one like really sticks out to me. So 
I might or not regret these, but I might have different ideas later. But I'll say Todd for my goat because mm-hmm. he was able to assess the situation with Dave and be like, this guy is from another planet. <laughs> but I think I could get a good relationship with him. And sure enough, he has managed to get all of the clues for the immunity idol so far from other people. So that was pretty tricky of him. Yeah. Um, gosh. Participation trophy. Honestly, here, I'm going to interpret it differently today. I'm going to give it to Denise. Interesting. Because she's participating in the episode. And she is bringing some joy and wonder to the parts of the show that are supposed to be joyful and wondrous. Love that. So that's, that's my pick. She participated indeed. Yes. Uh, Scott, what about you? Okay, so I've been really hard on Jean Robert, but for the same reason that Adam said, like, I'm going to give him my goat. Um, just for like the speaking of the Mandarin, because that came out of left field. Indeed it did. But it, but it really did make, it elevated the reward part from like an awkward like encounter, potentially, to like a really good reward segment. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's that. And then for my participation trophy, um, I'm just going to give it to like, um, like Eric. (laughs) (laughs) And why is that? (laughs) Because I don't remember him doing much this episode. Eric is (laughs) definitely the most invisible to this point. He's like the one that you're like, who? Yeah, I forget he's even part of the season. Yeah. So, but he survived, so. He did. For that reason, he was there. <laughs> um, I'm going to give my goat point to Frosty. I think this was a really good episode for Frosty. He has that moment where he kind of de-escalates stuff at camp, really plays the peacemaker. Um, and he had a couple confessionals where he's like actually talking game. Um. And that was good to see out of our friend Frosty. Um, yeah, I'm. there's not really like a clear. I'm just going to go ahead and give my participation point um, to Dave, even though he is booted this episode, because it really just is the downfall of Dave in this one. And because turnabout is fair play. <laughs> Uh, Let's take a look at our fantasy scores from this episode. Sadly, Adam, you do lose your first member and get a big goose egg from Dave. Crazy Dave, as they like to call him. (laughs) Uh, But nonetheless, because of the three out of your remaining four being Fei Long folks, you do pull 55. As does Scott. Um, Just 50 points from Emily, but this episode is named by Sharia, so an extra five points for you from her. That makes our tally at the end of this episode. In third place with 160 points is Scott's Human Beings Tribe. In second place (laughs) with 165 is Emily's Les Jouets. (laughs) And with the margin at this point with 180 points is Adam's Buddha Boys Tribe. Um, Adam, after losing your first member, 
Um, do you think that your lead will hold for the foreseeable future or are you worried about it? I, I'm pretty worried about it. Um, I, I, I think I will keep the lead for a couple of episodes. I, these are all such tight points spreads like per episode for each person that like, I, I feel like most of the lead that I have is going to be maintained just purely because I'm ahead right now, not because I'm earning more points than other people. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's just kind of how I feel. I'm really worried about Jean Robert. I Denise is an interesting one because I could see her going really far. I could see her getting voted out early earlier just because she doesn't have as much of the social game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm out by any means. You're, you're in the lead. I, I'm in the lead, but I feel like it's going to be I feel like it's going to be a really tight final episode. Interesting. Yeah, with fewer people in this season than the last one, definitely slimmer margins to work with and without the chaos of all the idols, although that, you know, only has it makes an impact, but not a huge one. I think the biggest thing is that there's fewer people here. And also, we don't like we would have flipped to three tribes by now, and that would have also shaken up the way that like points are distributed. Yeah. All right. Did we miss anything from this episode? Anything else you'd like to get off your chest before we put this one to bed before the tail falls off the proverbial workhorse? (laughs) No, but that made me think of SpongeBob or there's a part where he's like, I got to get this thing off my chest. And it was like, (laughs) sticky. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. They're they're like you're never gonna be able to relax until you get that thing off your chest. Yeah, and there's oh. like the... <laughs> Let me see if I can Sorry. get that real fast. Thing off your chest, SpongeBob. Come on, Google. Come thing oh. off your chest, SpongeBob. The dangerous thing to search the internet for. Don't give me an ad. Don't give me an ad. Okay, Say it. I can't. SpongeBob, you're never gonna feel better till you get this thing off your chest. I know, Patrick. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, SpongeBob. Oh, man. Stay tuned for SpongePod Squarecast. <laughs> Coming someday soon. Next time on Outwatch, we will be continuing our run through Survivor China. With episode five titled Love is in the air. Are you guys ready to find out who's love and how much of it is in the air? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you <laughs> still have to find the two attractive white people. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Make sure that you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts here so that you don't miss any minute of our Survivor China coverage. Uh, rate and review us that goes a long way in helping other folks find the podcast and if you're interested our listener support is open that link is in the description and it would really help us a ton to um, be able to continue to produce this podcast in a meaningful way and to not have to watch ads you know we'll see you next time